Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. By the way, I know this is a absurdly sized Bible. I'm not trying to look super holy. <laughs> kind of maybe I am. But it's actually, this is really cool, and I don't know if you knew about this, but they have Bibles that have margins for notes. So, and it's big print because, well, let's just be honest, I'm getting a little older. So, <laughs> I don't like to squint while I preach. So, it's not that I'm trying to be super holy, I just really love taking notes because in the moment, I'll get inspired by a word. And honestly, this, this word was inspired just from my daily quiet time. Can I just tell you, in the, in the atmosphere of faith, let's say that the fire is the Holy Spirit, right? The fire in you is God's power because he manifests his fire and there's a fire in you, but like any fire, a fire needs fuel. And the fuel, I've always learned, I've learned in my time, stay up, whip, okay? I've learned in my, my wife's gonna be giving me dirty looks and it's just gonna, <laughs> where was I? Quiet time with the Bible, there it is. We've got the one year Bible. That's like logs on the fire. The word of God is the log. It's the thing that your faith can come around and be activated in. The word of God getting in you is transformative on every nature. And it is what gives the Holy Spirit that ammunition to take a word from a thing you, you read to a promise you can stand on, to a promise you can stand on. And today's message is going to be on that topic because this, uh, everybody have a good Thanksgiving. Hopefully everyone, good Thanksgiving. Right on. Anybody gain four or five pounds? Yep. Amen. I was on a perfect, super clean diet and I broke that on Thanksgiving and then, yeah, it was, it was really good. But then you forget the day after Thanksgiving, there's all the Thanksgiving leftovers. So I did a two day sabbatical, but I'm back in it. I'm back in it. Don't worry guys. Don't worry. But yeah, I definitely made those two days count probably undid the two months that I've been <laughs> caring about my body. Anyways, Thanksgiving, as I was sitting around Thanksgiving, and my wife, by the way, is an amazing cook, and I'm not afraid to say it, had the best stuffing I've ever had in my life, turkey was perfect, and I'm just so, you know, I got a full tummy, and I got a table full of friends and family, and I just realized, and I'm looking around at my house, and I love our home, I love, we have a view of the mountains, and I just felt like, man, I, what a wonderful life. And I thought about our sermon series, and I'm, what a wonderful life. I, I literally feel like I'm sitting in the promise of God. But then I started taking inventory of the journey to the promised land. And I got thinking about how many times there were off-ramps that I could have took. There were so many off-ramps that looked a lot more comfortable, that looked a lot more enjoyable, that were less scary, if I was honest. And I'm just so thankful I didn't take those off-ramps. Listen, God, amen, right? There's a lot of people. God, God's plan is to move us into the promises he has for us. God's plan, 2 Corinthians 9 says that he has good works planned ahead for us. There is a plan, there's a promise, but just like Israel trying to get into the promised land, we've all seen, you know, the Ten Commandments, the Moses movies, Prince of Egypt, whatever it was, 
They, as, as God had to take the Israelite people out of slavery into a promise, there was a process in the middle of that. There's a process of growing in the Lord and stepping into more, fullment, more fulfillment and more fullness of what God has for you. And that process, I'm going to title it Walking into Wonderful. The title of my message, do we got a cool slide? I never get to see it. No? Sweet. Welcome to Awaken Church. The title is Welcome to Awaken Church. It's going to be awesome. Come on, do you guys have my scriptures? Cool, we'll get to it. Don't worry. All right, so I want to start here in Galatians 3.29. The title of the message is Walking into Wonderful. Galatians 3. Hey, oh, snow trap. That, that looks like Utah. Perfect. Walking into Wonderful. I want to lay the foundation here because one thing you have to realize is that uh, in order to read your whole Bible and hold to the promises, you have to understand that by Jesus dying on the cross, he said that there's no longer Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, but all have stepped into the promises of God. He's referring to even the promises that Israel was given as a set-apart people. Israel, the whole Testament, is God taking a people and separating them from society to prepare a landing pad for a redemption plan for humanity, which was Jesus. They were separated because the, the rituals, the law, the things they followed, all prophetically pointed to what the Savior would do. Right? We wouldn't understand the idea of atonement for sin if for, not for thousands of years, Israel would come once a year and bring an animal and, and, and as payment for the idea that we have sin in our life and that the actual idea here that God was setting up to be a metaphor and a picture is that a spotless lamb would be, you'd put your hand on it, the priest would slit its throat. I know this is graphic, but the idea was that the purity of the sacrifice would be transferred into you, and then your sin would be, because sin, God is just, sin requires justice, right? right? right. Now, you, some people get a little bent out of shape. They don't like that. It seems kind of harsh. We're all bent out of shape, right. right? Until you get something unjust, and then all of a sudden you throw out this, like, you know, I don't know, the bumper stickers and all the tolerance, all the, all, the, all the virtue signaling when something gets truly wrong to us, we have thoughts about what we should do about it that aren't exactly, you know, gracious and holy. Can I get an amen? Anybody? Am I the only human? Even when I get cut off on the freeway, I have unholy thoughts. I mean, like, when people drive slow, I get unholy. I think of things that should happen to them for slowing me down. It's such a minor, it's such a minor thing. Yet, I want justice. I want, and you know, when I turn on my news, I want justice. Yeah, right, right. I, yeah. Taliban, these things, these horrible things that are happening around the world. It is, it is part, it's written in our DNA. We want justice. We want murderers to be punished. We want, you know, we, we have this written in us. We just reverse the polarity a little bit of what we think other people deserve versus what we think we deserve. But anyways, that's a whole other thing. So here we go. Galatians, you've been written into the promise of Israel. Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. Jesus was the sacrifice. Now we don't have to sacrifice and make atonement for our sin. He is once and all the price for every sin, past, peasant, present, and future. But he also grafted us into the promise that you would be a set-apart people yes. 
that would be a blessing to all the world. That was literally Abraham's promise, that you will be a father of a great nation and you will be a blessing to the whole world. And that's what the church is. That's what being a Jesus follower is, is that you have now become a blessing to this world, forgiven, set free, and your freedom starts to get other people to want the same thing. But I really want to tie this in. As you read your Bible, you need to understand that the promises you read in the Old Testament, the, the, the taking territory, the being blessed where you go, those are promises that transfer with Jesus for his people to the New Testament. Does that make sense? Yes. Come on. And thank the Lord that all the, all the, the judgment, right, the, yeah. the sin and yeah. the punishment, thank you that we have a Savior and a Jesus who sits at the right hand of the Father and forgives. So reading our Bible becomes a new experience when you understand. Now, where's that in the Bible? I'm glad you asked. Galatians 3.29 it says this. And if we are Christ, then we are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now I wanna read this next part because this is about walking into wonderful. Go to uh, chapter four now, guys, four verse one. Now I say to you that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ from a slave. See, when kid, if a bunch of kids are playing in a, a farm back then, and by the way, slavery in this day and age was a little different Slavery was what you would actually sell yourself into if you were so far in debt or so behind. It was a way that you would say, hey, I'll work for you, but I need you to house me and feed me and take care of me. And the Jewish law even then had a rule that you had to release slaves after a certain set of time and the slave could stay a servant in the house. So I just wanna kind of bring a little clarity to this context here, okay? But it also works on everything. But the idea here is that if you were the... If your dad owned the farm and you were just playing with the other kids on the farm that lived on the farm, there wouldn't look a whole lot different, but the kid doesn't know that he's actually an heir, right. that that whole thing he's playing on is actually gonna be his one day. Right. And so Paul's trying to communicate to the church that you are heirs now with Christ. Right. Right. That every, and, and he's also communicating to these Galatians because what was going on in this context is some Christian Jews were coming in and saying, well, yeah, you're fine, you're a Christ follower, but you're not circumcised, so you're not as good. And Paul just viciously tears that down. He gets so fired up in this letter, by the way, just for those of you who like context, he says, you know, I wish those guys talking about circumcision would just finish the job and cut it all off. Literally, that's what he says. Go read in the Bible. So, <laughs> welcome to church. Some of the pictures we accidentally put in your head. Anyways, that's, that's, how, that's how fired up Paul was. Because he says, you're, you're, you're going back to the old way. You're going back to law and religion. And that's what Jesus came to do it end with. That we got off this track of trying to earn his love. We just accept his love. And then because we're loved, we begin to have the rocket boosters in our life take us to what he planned for us to be. What he planned, a blessing to the nations. So I just wanna make sure we, we, we paint this picture. When I talk about the promises that God has for you in the whole Bible, this is the scripture that's clarifying there is no Jew or Greek anymore. The chosen people of God are those who put their faith in Jesus and follow Jesus, and thus heirs to the promises. So here we go. That's the foundation for walking into wonderful. Walking into wonderful. I want to go to Joshua 1. Now we're going to go jump to our Old Testament. 
Joshua 1. And as we step into walking into wonderful, I want to talk about some things that are required to make the journey. Because I do believe every Christian is, has the opportunity to step into their God-ordained promised land. Right? Now, let me explain something. Promised land means you're in your full purpose, fully activated, doing what God made you to do so that you wake up excited for life. It does not mean you have no more conflict. It does not mean you have no more tension. It does not mean until heaven, we've got a fight to fight. And Jesus had to teach, or God had to teach the Israelites that, hey, I'm going to give you the promised land, but guess what? I left all the bad guys in there. I left all the trouble in there. And I actually did it on purpose, the Bible says. I did it on purpose so that you would learn that what it takes to get something, it takes to keep. Right? Come on, let me help you, let me help you in your married life. You know, you meet your spouse and you're dating and you're like, oh, the butterflies, you know, every morning you wake up, there's reindeer in your front yard and <laughs> rainbows in the sky. It's like everything's perfect, right? And you've got this suave polished, put-together person that you pull out once or twice a week for your dates, you know, and, and you court her, and you buy her flowers, and then she falls in love, and you guys get married. Hey, guys, the same thing it took to get her, her expectation is that your love will be at the same level. Now, it can manifest different. Flowers before kids, now kids just helping getting the kids ready can sometimes be the bigger gift, you know what I mean? So, but the serving... <laughs> But the serving heart doesn't, you don't get to trick her and get a ring and be like, ha ha, now I'm just gonna sit in my man cave and play video games. Like, I mean, you can try that. You can try that. We've got some great, <laughs> we've got some great marriage counselors here and you'll be meeting them soon, okay? So, <laughs> no, but God's trying to teach you that the faith it took you to step into something is the faith it takes to protect that dominion. Right? And anybody that's ever experienced a little level of success that's out of your comfort zone, you know, you know what that is. Like, you know, Pastor Andy shared that he had a month that surpassed his year. Okay? And that's really cool. But we were talking about it, and I hope this is okay, Andy. It's like, you sometimes have this pressure, well, what am I going to do next month? Because honestly, in, in sales jobs, it's kind of like you're only as good as your last month. Right, and now they have, and sometimes you even get in your head like, man, the expectation's now pretty high. Like, do they think this is gonna, but yeah. we get, so I'm just saying that there is a, a level of faith not just to get to something, but there's a level of faith to then maintain and steward it well, right? And so walking into wonderful requires this growth of faith. Now, Joshua is about to lead the Israelites into the promised land, okay? And to be honest, he's a young leader, and I, I believe he was nervous. Because the way God addresses him really points out. One, he also told him, hey, you know how Moses had that cool stick that separated the water and done all these things? He came, he's like, you don't get a stick. No stick. You just got to trust me. You just got to trust me. And I got to drink some water. So he goes to Joshua, and here's what he says in verse 6, guys. Joshua 1, verse 6, I'm going to read tonight. He says, leads out. Be strong and of good courage. For this people you shall divide an inheritance, the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Keep going to nine. Don't jump to nine, just keep going. There we go. Go to seven, sorry guys. 
Only be strong and very courageous, says it again, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from the right hand or the left. Somebody say commitment. Commitment. Do not turn from it to the right hand or the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. That's a good one. I like that. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Amen. It's a good reason to read your Bible morning and night. Just saying. Comes with a little principle to it. Have I not commanded you? Check it out again. Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Do you notice a trend there? Be strong and courageous. Point number one is you've got to walk into courage. If you want to walk into wonderful, you've also got to be willing to walk into courage. Our leading up to becoming to Salt Lake was the precursor to that, was God taking me through a journey of my hardest time in my whole life. And there was a lot of times where I had to have courage. Let me just explain this scenario here. I was in the corporate world pretty high up. I stepped into ministry as a young adult pastor, was having pretty good success there. But I had some stuff internally, some ish. I had some issues. I had some button heads with authorities, and I had some discouragement that I didn't deal with properly. I didn't actually process well, and I just buried it down, figured I could just push it down as far as I can, and never will come up, but it would keep coming up, and I was discouraged, and anyways, ended up getting out of being the young adult pastor at, at this church, okay? And it wasn't like a pretty, like, you know, I feel really, no, it was, it was rough. It was rough, and I was hurting a lot. On top of that, we launched a business, and I overextended ourselves, and we flopped, and I put us a, about a quarter million dollar in debt. Like, and this was all like, so I get fired, basically, and I put us a quarter, within a year, I put us a quarter million dollar in debt, not including the loan for the business, so honestly, it was probably half a million dollars in debt when you put it all together. And we were so tight, I was working like three jobs. I would run our business. I was trying to start another thing. And then at night I was going and working and packing things. Like it was not a fun season. It was a very hard season. And through all that, we were living month to month. I mean, they were, that we were behind on the mortgage sometimes. We were living by faith. And this whole time I had this, uh, I had felt like God said, you stay here. You have to stay here. And I'm like, okay, God, well, if you're going to make me stay here, it'd be really nice if I didn't have to live terrified that I'm going to lose the one asset I have, which is my home, and, and I'm, I'm scared if I'm going to be able to feed my family. But I had to have courage because I had an easy out. I really did. I had a great family. Both our families live in a small little town called Oakdale, California, where it's like cheers. Everyone knows my name there. Okay, I could walk into town. They'd be like, hey, Matt, welcome home. You know, how's big San Diego boy? Come here, have a Coors Light. Like that's, that's, I had that option. And it was, and that's exactly what it would be, right? <laughs> have that, and, and, to be honest, I would just daydream of being back in Oakdale. I had people that would get me, you know, jobs and just, there was so much, but God had said, I had to have the courage to stay. I had to have the courage to stay. And here's the deal. There's two kinds of courages in this walk. 
Okay, first there's an internal courage and then an external. Part of being courageous is having the courage to step into the light and let God deal with the stuff inside of you. See, I, I was scared of losing my house, but you know what I was even more scared of? Looking in the mirror and figuring out why I was here. I did not want to do that. I did not want to step into some ownership and say, hey, yeah, you can be bitter at some people that maybe said some things that were misconstrued or whatever. I could be bitter, but I had the courage to say, what part of this is me? And I'm going to have all the ownership and let God heal what he needs to heal. The Bible says this in John 3, 19 and 20. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people love the darkness more than the light for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear of their sins being exposed. I didn't want to do the hard work. And it took courage to do the hard work of look in the mirror and figure out why I was train wrecking my life. Why things were going downhill. Because that, that meant that I'd have to let the Bible and God and the whole Trinity just come on in and like come in. Like imagine this, you invite somebody over to your house. And you know, you've got the main floor clean, all of us with kids, right? We got the one floor that like, mm, beautiful. But your upstairs is like borderline hoarder. And you, you know what I mean? And you're like, oh, Jesus, don't let them come upstairs. And your basement is like, eh. There's like one room, but you got those closets that have just become, you know, you know what I mean? It's getting too real, huh, babe? <laughs> Hypothetically, I'm not saying. <laughs> yeah, I know a guy who I'd prefer if you come over, stay on our main floor. It's beautiful. <laughs> it is. I'm married to a designer. It is like a magazine, okay? <laughs> but Jesus is the house guest that comes in. He's like, oh, I love, I mean, first he talks to that. He's like, oh, I love this. I love Oh my, look at the color, the scheme. You know, he's, he's very encouraging because he loves you. So he comes into your house, the house of your heart. And the first thing he does is like, I freaking love you, man. You're awesome. You're, you're good at this. You're great. And then he goes, hey, let's go check out the attic. What? <laughs> Hold up, Jesus. I was cool with you being on like my Sunday box. But now you want to, now you want to start getting up in like, in my browser history, in my, 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 my bank account, how I'm managing, and like, uh, you, wanna, you wanna get up in these areas that, well, hold on, I haven't prepared that for you yet, Jesus. And he's like, no, I didn't want you to prepare it for me. I wanted you to let me in and we'll prepare it together, but we've gotta be willing to let him in to the messiness. Most people, truly, I can tell you this, after being a pastor a pretty long time, I've been a youth pastor, a young adult pastor, and a growing up pastor. They're not all that different. It's just, okay? They're not all that different. It's just more time frame to train wreck lives, okay? So, but the root problems are still the root problems. And most of the thing that Christians are really afraid of is letting God into the, the areas that we allowed scar tissue and, you know, it's bandage. It, it's, it's not hemorrhaging anymore, but it's still a mess. And it's, it's the hurts, it's the discouragements, it's stuff from childhood, it's all that stuff. And Jesus so graciously, he's not embarrassed of your mess. Here's the funny thing. He already knows what the room looks like, right? But he does want to be invited into the room and show you how to fix it, how to clean it. But it takes courage to be willing to let the light into the dark places of our life. But can I tell you the greatest thing I've ever done in any time of my life is let Jesus in to the door he's knocking on. So if God's knocking on a door in your heart, 
Don't be afraid to let him in. You got to trust that he already won. Nothing's going to shock him. He's been knowing everything about all humanity for his entire, for the entire existence of the universe. Nothing's going to shock him. He has some answers to help fix it and redeem it. Here's the cool thing. Once Jesus goes in and cleans a room, it no longer becomes a room you're embarrassed of. It actually becomes like your favorite room to show people. You're like, look at this room. And you'll show them the old picture. Like, this is what it used to look like. We were hoarders. (laughs) Now it's clean. And people are like, how did you do that? Jesus. When you're really actually set free, your, your darkest area becomes the area you're most willing to just say, look at my mess before Jesus. Look at the area. Look at how I was jacked up, screwed up. You don't got to justify yourself. You don't got to be like, well, I, I, you know, I'm, I was pretty good. I just had that. No, he don't even worry about that. Once he's cleaned the room up, you have this freedom in there. But it takes courage to look inward. Then there's the external courage. The courage to step into your call. I promise you, because God says that his grace is sufficient in your weakness, your call is going to be bigger than your capacity. And Jesus wants it that way because he wants to co-labor with you. He wants to put his super on your natural. He wants to push you in a place where you are dependent on him. Once a, a, a famous pastor, Bill Johnson, he was at like the largest Christian conference in the world at the time, and somebody asked him about the money section, said, for a Christian, how much money is too much? And I love his answer. He said, whatever takes you out of trust. Whatever takes you out of trust. If your money's become your protector, if your money's become your source of validation, if your money has become your savior, your redeemer, then you have a problem. But if your vision pushes you past that point, do you see what I'm saying? It's dictated by you. I don't, I don't ever want to be a place where God's like, I can't bless him anymore. Because wow. I want my vision and my capacity to follow Jesus to grow with that. But it takes courage because you're not going to know what to do. That's where I say a faith life does not come with crutches. Because you're, you're out on a limb. You're running full go. It's actually your own chosen life where you'll establish safeguards of trust, but often they're also safeguards that protect the areas of mediocrity that you don't want to deal with in your life. I think I hit that enough. It takes courage. It takes courage. Next one. It takes commitment. It takes commitment. You want to walk into wonderful? There's a commitment that you have to have. People, the people that I see, that I truly feel like I see walk into wonderful, I notice a couple trends. One, I notice they're very committed to trying to apply God's ways to their life, and they're very committed to serving in his house. Yeah, come on. That, that's just, I see those things in the people that I most aspire to be. I see these two levels of commitment, and it's just simple. It's, it's committing to say, God, teach me your ways, right, right, right. and let me be a blessing to the people around me. Now, where's this in the Bible? 1 Kings 8.61 says this, and you may, and may your hearts be fully committed to the Lord your God to live by his decrees and obey his commands as at this time. See, there's a principle here. I've said this before, but I really want to drive it home. God doesn't make his rules to keep you in check and, and test you or even to punish you. He makes his rules to protect you. Just like the guardrails going up the canyons on the steep banks. 
Yes, they do maybe sometimes feel like they inhibit your view a little bit, but I'm very thankful for them when I'm driving on a snowy day to go up skiing because if I slip, I've got a guardrail to stop me from going over the edge. God's decrees, God's plan, God's law is meant to keep us on that path that he has for us that is the most blessed. Okay? So we, we want to be committed first to fall in his ways. And then also that this is Acts 2.42. This is the beginning of the church. The power of God has fall, fallen. Jesus has given the disciples the Holy Spirit. And it says that this was the way that things began to grow. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and breaking bread and prayer. Bible says don't forsake the gathering of the brethren. There is a level of commitment to step into the promised land because the promised land, honestly, is, is a place where God wants to use you to bless others. If you get there without ever having others in your world, it's going to be really hard to turn around and bless. You'll be celebrating your victory alone. And the truth is, your full destiny, God will give the keys to someone else and the relationship Come on, how many people have ever gotten like a job or, or gotten in a place like a restaurant or gotten some kind of blessing because you knew a person, yeah. right? Yeah. I found that most of my blessings come from my relational equity with people, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. right? And I like to be a blessing to people, but I've been so blessed by people. There's, there's a commitment to walking together with people that's required. And once again, it sometimes takes courage. It sometimes takes stretching yourself. There are some people that cause my patience to grow. They're, 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 very, they're a huge blessing because <laughs> you're good, Rich. You know, <laughs> they're a blessing because I'm learning to have patience. That even, even the tough people in the room, in, the, in, your, in your world, in your life, they can be a blessing. You know who taught me how to be a good leader? A bad leader. Bad leaders are the great, this is, by the way, not the church, not Pastor Jurgen, but in, in the corporate world, I had a really bad boss, and that actually taught me a lot more than a good boss would have, because I just started to say, do everything the opposite that this guy does. <laughs> and I learned a lot <laughs> about being a leader. But you've got to walk into that commitment. You've got to walk into when it, if it gets hard. <sighs> I'm going to use this story here. I had a couple stories. During my hard time, we were committed to, we just have a lifestyle of wanting to be generous. We want to be generous to our family, our friends. And we were heading into Christmas, and we were negative. We were negative money. This was probably one of the hardest moments of going through my hard time, is we were committed to stay in San Diego, and I was committed to being generous, but literally, we didn't have enough money to buy my kids Christmas presents. And, you know, of course, all the talk about the courage to look internally, like having to just look in the mirror and say, God, you can get me out of this, but what a mess, you know? And, but I remember, you know, we, we strategized because we weren't going to let our circumstance break our commitment. So you know what we did? We found a way. We went to, our kids were two and one, to be honest, just opening a toy is all they care about. They've yeah. lost interest in everything. So we went to the dollar store and I bought tons of toys and wrapped each little one individually. And then, you know, I think we went to Ross too and we found like just big sets that were super discounted. And we made sure that there were tons of presents in that tree on almost no budget. And then we said, well, what about our friends? Well, we're, we want to be generous. So my wife spent all night, I mean, like multiple nights, cooking cookies. And we hand-wrapped cookies. And we, gave, we didn't compromise our commitment to being who God made us to be just because our circumstance 
was tough. And once again, yesterday, I'm sitting here in my wonderful, because my wife gets on the phone and sees one Black Friday deal. Next thing I know, it's an eight-hour deep dive. She, she comes up for air, and she's like, all the Christmas shopping is done for everyone. I'm like, what do you mean everyone? Like everyone in one day. And she didn't have to like check with me if, you know, are we going to spread this out? Do we got to wait for it? It just, it was that easy. And I just sat there and wonderful. And I said, God, thank you that we didn't change our commitment in the hard time because I'm sitting here in the good time. It's not even December and we are already decorated and presents are bought. I just, I'm just blown away by the goodness of God, but it took commitment. It took commitment. Uh, can I just also share? It took commitment to keep going to church. You know how embarrassing it is one day to be like, I run all the young adults and, so, and everyone, and then the next day you show up and nothing. Wow. You know, and, 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 and of course, the first like, people always want to know, so they're coming up to you and they're like, so what happened? You know, and like, <laughs> you're like, oh my goodness, well, I'm wounded and so I don't want to be toxic, so I just have to like keep my mouth shut. It, it took commitment. Wow. To get there, I'm telling you right now, if this holiday season, maybe you feel like it's in a rough time, stay committed. Stay committed to obey what God told you to do last. Here's the main thing when it comes to commitment. Don't look to the right or the left when it's hard. Listen for the voice of God. Because when you're hurting and when things are hard, the easy road always looks like Jesus at first. Always. That's why you need other people. I'm telling you, I had on-ramps. I got a call a month after that whole getting fired from a a pastor that I really respect, and they had a church plant going in Colorado. Colorado, by the way, the second place on my list for mountains and skiing. He says, hey, man, we want you to take this church. Like, I could have just bailed, started in the mountains. I could have had what I have now, but I wouldn't have had any of the blessing that I got through staying committed. And I wouldn't be with the greatest pastors and leaders in the world, Jurgen and Leanne, they're just second to none. But I had to be committed. The last thing God told you, unless you very clearly told you different, stay there, do that well. And stay committed to being who God made you to be. When he brings the promotion, you know it. You know it. And I'm not saying that God always is the hard path, but I'm saying if you're hurting, don't run to the easy path right away. And that's where you need good counsel. That's why if you're a businessman and your business hurting, you should be involved with our businesswoman. You should be involved with Pathfinders. So you've got a group of people that you can go to and say, hey, I just put myself in half a million dollars in debt with my business. What should I do? That's <laughs> why I'm great friends with Colin Higginbottom because I'm like, what do I do, man? All right, next final point here. Let's bring the guitar or whoever's... We're going to land the plane. Walking into giving. Joshua, God says, hey, you're going to be prosperous. You're going to be prosperous. You, you do this and trust me, you're going to, you guys are going to prosper. And so as I, as I talk about walking into giving, the biblical principle, and once again, Pastor Andy, what a great offering message, uh, is it doesn't make sense to the world, but those who sow sparingly, reap sparingly, those who sow generously reap generously. To step into your wonderful, you've got to walk into giving. 
And listen, I'm not even talking money, okay? I don't, let's, let's throw that out. Money is just the overflow of where your heart's at. I'm not talking about tithing, giving. I'm, I'm, not, I'm actually talking about are you a giving soul? Are you a giving person? Do you add value wherever you are? Do you, do you see this place as a place where it's supposed to give to you? Or do you see this place as a family that you give to? It's perfectly fine for church to start out as a hotel. It is. It's perfectly fine. We'll give you the room service. You know, welcome. We'll put the robe on you. And like, man, here's the hot tub. Here's the pool. Here's the, we'll watch your kids for a couple hours. You know, like, here's all the stuff. And that's natural. We want this to be a place where people get refreshed and start to wash themselves in the word of God and break off all the stuff the enemies tries to put but you will get weird and it'll get stagnant if you treat it like a hotel your whole life. Because eventually you'll start being like, you know, the room service wasn't quite as prompt as it was last week. I didn't, that person didn't, that guy in the orange shirt didn't even look me in the eye. He didn't say hi. I, I walked by pastor and I waved and he missed me. You know, you'll start to get entitled. But Jesus was meant wanting to pull you, he pulled you into the hotel to get you rested, recovered, and start to get you to dream again and start to give you vision for who he made you to be so that at some point you step into now your true fulfillment comes in that you are, it's better to give than to receive. It's a ploy, but it's true. It, it, it's, it's, it's absolutely true. And God wants you to step into giving. You say, well, I don't know, how, how, what do I have to offer? That's what he wants to show you. That's why he wants you to start reading his word. That's why he wants you to start praying. That's why he wants you to get filled with his Holy Spirit. So he begins to show you, look, you are capable of being a giving person. You bring value. You know, that's the number one thing the enemy, I think, tries to do with people is he tries to disqualify Disqualification and isolation, his two power plays, they're his go-to, okay? That's the one he wants to use as much as he can. But when you give and you get to see, wow, I'm, 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 you'll see your whole world will begin to explode. You, you say, well, I don't have any good friends here yet. Give good friendship. Be a good friend. Be a listening ear. Don't come into every conversation with, you're, when, I, I can tell when people are looking you in the eyes, you know, and they're not listening, they're thinking what they're gonna say next. You know what I'm talking about? You ever look in somebody's eyes and you're like, I don't think you're actually listening. I think you're planning your rebuttal or, your, or what you're gonna say. People need to listen. You give good friendship, get good friendship. You say, well, I don't feel respected. Give honor and respect, get honor and respect. Man, I don't feel appreciated. Give appreciation. Be the guy who walks in the room, says, hey, thank you for, you know, standing out in the cold and saying hi to people. Hey, thank you for, you know, standing at the info booth so I can get some cool merch. Hey, thank you for making this coffee. When we give, we receive. Why don't you stand to your feet? Wonderful. I felt where God wanted to land this plane 
on this message was the core thing, if you're gonna be courageous, committed, and generous, is you have to believe that God is good. You have to trust that he's good and he wants good things for you. Because here's the truth, the principles don't always make sense in the natural. But God is good. God is good and I think he just wants to free people's mind right, minds right now of doubt in his goodness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. I want to have everybody bow their head and close their eyes real quick. So I want to pray for two, two groups of people. First group, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or you once kind of did, but you, you were just, you'd just be honest, like, I'm not actually walking with him. That's the step into the goodness. You will never see the goodness of God without first encountering the Son of God, Jesus. And he wants to be in your world. He wants to be in your, every room in your heart and begin to fix and heal and restore. But he's also a, respect, a respecter of your free will. He gave it to you. So you have to say, you have to invite him in and say, Jesus, I want you to come into my heart. So with everyone's head bowed and eyes closed, if you're in that group where you just today need to say, I want, I want you, Jesus. I want to walk into wonderful. And you said in your word that you're the gate. So if that's you, I just want to include you in a prayer. But I want to know, I want you, this is you saying, God, I'm into that. I want that. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand on the count of three and I'm just going to pray a prayer. You're going to, we're all going to pray it out loud together. Not going to embarrass you or anything. But if you need to ask Jesus into your heart and invite him into your world, would you just put your hand in the air right now? One, two, three. Anybody here that needs to do that? Thank you. Thank you. I see your hand. Once I've seen your hand, you can put it down. Anyone else? Thank you. I see your hand. Anyone else? Awesome. Y'all can look up at me now. Okay, a few people raise their hand. We're gonna say a prayer in a minute, but right after I'm done praying, this is the amazing Cynthia, and we have a gift we wanna give you. We have the Bible, which is the one and only book, Word of God, and then we have another gift called Following Jesus. That's a book just to help you, like, see the next steps and how you work this thing out and how you begin to walk your life out with Jesus. So that's a gift for you. Even if you already have a Bible, come up and talk to us. We also just want to pray with you individually. So, but for, for the people who raise their hand, I'm going to lead us all in a prayer. We're all going to pray this out loud. And if you raise your hand, there's nothing, listen, there's nothing magical necessarily in the words that I'm saying. The power is you inviting him in. So you pray this from your heart and you watch what he does. The Bible says you will be born again. You will wake up feeling different than you did this morning. And you'll begin to have a hunger and a desire to find God and follow God. So let's all pray this out loud. Dear Jesus, this morning, I give you my life. I invite you in. Thank you for dying on that cross for my sins. I repent and I turn to you.
Thank you for washing me clean. Thank you for washing me clean. That I am forgiven, I am forgiven. and set free. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on. Let's give it up for those people. Friend, I'm telling you, this is the greatest decision you've ever made. When I did this, my life transformed. And here's the cool thing. It's not based on you. It's based off of him. You don't got to be perfect tomorrow. You just got to wake up and let him speak to you. He'll begin to lead you. He'll begin to guide you. He'll begin to inspire you. And Get your Bible, okay? So definitely got to have that. I'm telling you. Give the Holy Spirit something to talk to you about. <laughs> Come on. Now the next group of people I want to pray for, and then we're dismissing here. Is anyone that just is coming up against the voice in your head saying, life's not going to go good. Life's not going to be good. God's not going to be good. I don't know why the enemy cranks this lie up during the holidays, but I, and I don't care age past what the journey is here. God says, for those who love me, I can turn good of all things. Romans 8, 28. I just want to release Romans 8, 28 over people, but I felt like it's almost like I want you to go and receive. So just like we did before, I'm going to ask you, if you want prayer this morning, if you just were saying, God, show me your goodness. I need a dose of your goodness right now. I need a double dose. And listen, I'm going to raise my hand too, because even though I'm feeling blessed, I love his goodness. But if you're just saying, God, show me your goodness, I want you to put your hand in the air. I'm going to pray for you right now. God, thank you for the hands in the air. Thank you, porters. The goodness of God is coming. The goodness, he is faithful. He is faithful. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. God, right now, we declare that the goodness that Jesus has given, we are heirs, God. We are heirs to all the promises that you have given us. And God, let us step out of childhood into adult, the fullness of what you've given us. Let us see that you are good and that every enemy coming against us, every Jericho, every city that the Israel had to take was meant to prepare them for maintaining the promised land. And so God, we want to see your goodness manifest on your people, God, in the midst of whatever you're trying to do. Show up in every room. We declare right now that we receive your goodness because you are good. In Jesus' name, the church said, amen. Amen. Wow. What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.